I've said this so many times in terms of the root cause here, but if you think about it, our girls, right, every day, they learn in school about Mark Zuckerberg, Albert Einstein, Neil Armstrong. They hear about all these men in tech, but not about the women pioneers in the field like Katherine Johnson, Ada Lovelace, Jean Bartik, or Grace Hopper. And, you know, if you think about it, we're still in an era where our girls and young women see a computer programmer as a boy in a hoodie alone in a basement or some man running a company in Silicon Valley. And if you think about it, girls before they're even 10 years old have already internalized these cultural touchstones around what a computer scientist looks like and does. And these ideas resonate with them throughout their entire lives. I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace and beyond. We've all heard the saying that if you can see it, you can be it. But what about if you know it, you can be it? A recent study published in the International Journal of STEM Education, and STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math, in 2018 found that young people are simply not aware of the STEM career paths available to them, which limits their STEM career ambitions. Understanding the available STEM career options is particularly important for young women, given that STEM-related fields are typically male-dominated, exclusionary, and even hostile towards women. A 2020 research study published in the journal Cycle finds that something as simple as girls having a maths role model had a positive and significant effect on mathematics enjoyment, importance attached to math, expectations of success in math, and girls' aspirations in STEM, and a negative effect on gender stereotypes. Additionally, having female role model significantly increases the positive impact of expectations of success on STEM choices. To advance more women into STEM fields, we need women to know what the career options are that are available to them within those fields and to have women believe that it's possible to have a fulfilling career in STEM. Time and time again, studies have shown that maths and science are perceived to be male arenas and that scientists are perceived to be predominantly men. And the challenges start really early on in life. There's an article in The Atlantic that reports that between 1966 and 1977, the social scientist David Chambers asked 4,807 schoolchildren to draw a scientist. Out of those nearly 5,000 drawings, only 28 depicted a female scientist, and every single one of those was drawn by a girl. Not a single boy drew a woman. Follow-up draw-a-scientist studies have shown an improvement in that disparity. But children are still drawing twice as many male scientists as female ones. Girls are still significantly more likely than boys to draw a female scientist. And even that changes as girls get older and join the boys in becoming skewed towards drawing men. A 2019 study that was published in Frontier Education found that gender stereotypes of maths and science influence young women's and young men's aspirations to enrol in a STEM major at university. For example, showing adverts for STEM careers that feature men and women and promoting a less masculine image of science in university recruitment efforts has the potential to increase the likelihood of STEM career aspirations for young women and for young men. 
It stands to reason that the more exposure young people have to STEM, the more likely they are to view STEM as a potential career path, whether they're male, female or indeed any other gender. Today, we're really excited to share that the CEO of Girls Who Code, Dr. Tarika Barrett, and US Cellular's Vice President of Enterprise Portfolio Management and Technology Shared Services, Denise Lintz, are both joining us on the show, and they'll be sharing how they're tackling increasing children's access to STEM education. Here, Dr. Tarika kicks off our discussion by sharing why awareness of STEM career paths is critical to advancing diversity in STEM. At Girls Who Code, we always say you cannot be what you cannot see. And the lack of awareness that you're talking about is really rooted in the data that we continue to tackle every day in terms of closing the gender gap in tech, which is our mission. Women still make up only 26% of the computing workforce, and the numbers are even worse for Black and Latinx women who hold roughly 5% of computing jobs. Half of women in tech say they lack female role models. A third say they have unequal growth opportunities compared to male colleagues. And when we talk about leadership, you know, women are making up only 5% of leadership positions across the tech industry. And women of color are almost completely absent at the senior level with zero Black or Latina women CEOs of Fortune 500 tech companies. This awareness starts there, right? How are our little girls supposed to understand the pathway, the ways in which they can become the Denises of the world if they don't actually see these role models and understand what these pathways look like? And that's why what we do at Girls Who Code in terms of teaching girls computer science, making sure that they see women in tech in terms of our campaigns that elevate and change you know, this culture of who belongs in tech, so much of that is so critical. I've said this so many times in terms of the root cause here, but if you think about it, our girls, right, every day, they learn in school about Mark Zuckerberg, Albert Einstein, Neil Armstrong. They hear about all these men in tech, but not about the women pioneers in the field like Katherine Johnson, Ada Lovelace, Jean Bartik, or Grace Hopper. And, you know, if you think about it, we're still in an era where our girls and young women see a computer programmer as a boy in a hoodie alone in a basement or some man running a company in Silicon Valley. And if you think about it, girls, before they're even 10 years old, have already internalized these cultural touchstones around what a computer scientist looks like and does. And these ideas resonate with them throughout their entire lives, right? Elementary school, middle school, high school, and even into the workforce. And this is especially acute for our marginalized students, right? They get this message because they don't see themselves represented in STEM. And so for us at Girls Who Code, we know that we have to change this narrative and really make sure that girls understand that they remain powerful creators and change makers, right? Our girls are not inert. They're not just sitting there waiting for something to happen. When they embrace tech, they're using it to change their communities and the world. It's never passive. They are absolutely change makers. And so we know that so much of it is about exposure. We've taught 500,000 girls to code. We've been around now for 10 years, and it's critical that we continue to funnel them into these programs that give them exposure to computer science and really drive their persistence because we know that these young women are going to be the ones who actually change our world. Understanding the barriers to women's participation in STEM is key to dismantling those barriers. An article published by STEM Women looks at research conducted by Catherine Ashcraft at the National Centre for Women and Information Technology in the US. 
Her research helps us to identify the underlying issues which have resulted in a lack of women in technology-specific roles. According to Ashcraft's study, there are three key issues. One, societal influences and biases. That's the manufactured perception that girls are not suitable for technology-based roles. The gender bias that Tarika was just talking about. Two, school education. Societal biases have seeped into school curricula and teaching. The focus of computer science subjects doesn't consider how girls can be more involved and interested in such topics. And three, workplace systems. Technology workplaces carry the same biases that have existed traditionally. These are the kind of barriers that Michelle examines in her book, The Fix. As US Cellular's Vice President of Enterprise Portfolio Management and Technology Shared Services, Denise is a great example of a woman with a successful career in STEM against those odds. Here she shares with us the barriers that she faced early on in her STEM career. I think it's interesting how it's difficult and they're not seeing their own kind as they're working their way or thinking about their future. And, you know, there's a couple of barriers that really hit most people and hit me. It's too difficult. It's too hard. And I think what happened for me was I had the opportunity early in junior high and in high school to take courses in coding, writing code. There were Apple computers that were available to us. I went to St. Edward High School in Elgin, Illinois, and we had like five computers at the time. It was very small. And, you know, if you're interested, you can go ahead and give it a try. And it was hard. Don't get me wrong. It was scary. It was hard. But we were able to learn because they gave us these puzzles to try to code through and it became fun. I think our high schools have to really help bring that information to the kids and girls and, you know, Girls Who Code does that amazingly. The other barrier is it's too costly because a degree just seems really overwhelming when you're starting out and you have a small job. I did things like internships to really help with the funding of school. I went to a community college first and then I went on to Northern Illinois University and to pay for the university, I did internships and they paid well. I mean, they were working for corporations in the summer and then on breaks and I was able to secure funds to pay for school. And then ultimately when I found my first job programming, I already had experience. I was pretty lucky because I had a big interest in coding and I became a programmer. According to analysis from the American Enterprise Institute, women now make up just over half of all STEM graduate school enrollees in the United States and earned more than half of all science and engineering bachelor's degrees between 2004 and 2014. But just because women are earning more degrees in STEM-related fields doesn't mean they're actually taking up STEM-related jobs. The gender gap in STEM is alive and well as women remain underrepresented in most STEM occupations. And the key reasons for this is that STEM-related fields tend to be gendered. That is, they're masculine and often unwelcoming towards women. The lack of diversity in STEM is not only bad for women, it's also bad for businesses, as Dr. Tarika explains. We are absolutely paying the cost of the lack of diversity. When we think about it, Girls of Code did a study with Accenture and found that 50% of women leave the tech industry by the age of 35. At the same time, these companies desperately want to have diversity reflected in their workforce. And in terms of how it impacts our daily lives, this is just going to be a growing problem unless we act now. So we know that technology touches every aspect, social, political, 
from security to voting to healthcare. And I say this all the time, but we're far past the point where we can opt out of tech. And we certainly make sure that our young women know this. And so while tech has had this positive democratizing effect, we know that we've also seen harm when we don't have diversity reflected. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Not too long ago, a New Jersey man was wrongfully arrested and spent actually 10 days in jail because facial recognition software signaled him as someone accused of committing a crime. Now, we have seen this time and time again. Facial recognition software notoriously fails to correctly identify the faces of Black people. Given everything that we know about interactions between Black communities, law enforcement, and the justice system, this one interaction could have turned deadly. It did not, thankfully, but we still know that it has the potential to contribute to this larger issue of mass incarceration. And what we're getting, unfortunately, when we have just a few voices and perspectives at the table are these technological things that don't reflect the needs and desires of the larger communities. Another example would be the first iteration of Apple's health app which didn't track anything having to do with menstruation and fertility. Now you think about this, had a woman had a seat at the table in developing this app, would we ever have found ourselves there where we wouldn't be able to have this sort of vital aspect of a health app completely absent because a voice was missing? I absolutely think that the future of tech depends on a tech workforce that's representative of the diverse world we live in. One thing that I think employers can do that would be so meaningful, they must broaden the scope of where they look for strong candidates. We know that top universities, the Ivies, get all the attention. But what about the community colleges and the two-year schools? You know, I went to a city university of New York school alongside other working class students. And had I been in the mix right now, I would be completely overlooked. And we're also going through a pandemic which means that companies must be aware that so many of the opportunities and access flexibility that students would have and the access that they would have to potential employers has frankly disappeared in many cases. That's why we've done things like workforce development programs, including our hiring summits, which brought together 2000 young women and dozens of partner companies looking for the unique talents that they bring to the table. We must realize in this moment, especially as companies, that these are young people, right, in a third year of school during a pandemic, juggling work, school, caregiving responsibilities, and they're absolutely graduating into a workforce with so much uncertainty. They have worked so hard. They've done so much to get to where they are in this moment, and we must see it as a collective responsibility to ensure that they actually have a real pathway into the tech industry. I'll give one example of a company that I think is doing exactly the right thing. We had one partner who came to our January hiring summit and hired 17 young women. Now, for your listeners, you might think, oh my goodness, that's really small in the grand scheme of things. It meant everything to these young women. We have to think about examples like that that are really going to change how companies approach talent, frankly, and that has to happen. Despite common misconceptions, research shows that boys and girls do not significantly differ in their mathematical or science ability, but they do differ in their interest and confidence when it comes to these STEM subjects. The 2022 State of Girls and Women in STEM report published by the National Girls Collaborative Project finds that girls and young women's achievement in mathematics and science is on a par with that of boys and young men. So if it isn't a capability issue, 
Why do women remain underrepresented in the science and engineering workforce, with the greatest disparities occurring in engineering and computer sciences? And why do Latina, Black and Indigenous women represent less than 10% of the STEM workforce in the United States? The possibly uncomfortable truth is that workplaces need to take active steps, both to increase diversity in STEM occupations and to value the diversity they have. Here Denise shares how her company is taking active steps to support greater diversity in STEM and what each of us can do to tackle this issue. Growing up with tech and learning about tech and now being a vice president at US Cellular, I get to have a little bit more influence than I had before and it's so exciting. We need to make sure we look and work with young girls and children in general when they're young. I mean, it seems odd for a corporation to have to do that, but like Tarika said, those decisions get made grade school, junior high, they're trying to figure out what they want to do. So we've got to get involved with them. And so that's really why we like working with Girls Who Code, because you guys are working with that exact community right now. You might think, hey, it's a corporation, you should start with internships, but that's really too late. By then, you're really in deep with it. But by starting out when they're young and we can be an influence in the community, it's super exciting for us. U.S. Cellular has given a donation of 150000 to Girls Who Code, and we're really excited about it because it's in Kansas, Oklahoma, Virginia, and Maine. To really build that future development and build the skill that we need for the future. So we're all about connecting people and connecting communities. One action, everyone listening should talk to any girl or young woman that they're surrounded by. Ask a girl, you know, a cousin, an intern, a mentee, have they considered pursuing CS or coding? Because very often our boys get asked this question, but our girls never get asked that question. And we still have a lot of girls out there who don't see themselves in computer science or STEM. They don't recognize that these are the highest paying, most exciting dynamic jobs that are out there that are actually going to change our society and the world. And our girls have so much that they're going to contribute that they already have but we can do more. So ask a girl that you know whether she's thought about learning to code. I wanted to share a few actions you can take to support your own children or indeed any young people with pursuing a career in STEM. Create a safe space for kids to ask about STEM and graduates to explore the opportunities available to them. STEM covers such a broad range of fields, so take time to share the wide range of career paths. If you're looking to attract people to pursue a career with your STEM organisation, showcase diverse role models and ensure diverse representation in hiring practices when it comes to things like college or job advertising and interview panels. Also encourage a diverse pool of applicants. Share success stories. Find those real life examples of people from underrepresented backgrounds who've succeeded in STEM fields. To disrupt biases, make sure all young people know of scientists from underrepresented backgrounds who overcame exclusionary barriers to succeed in STEM. Remember, if they can see it, they can be it. And start young. It's never too early to teach children about STEM subjects, and there are so many free online resources or opportunities to engage in programmes like Girls Who Code. The more exposure that kids have from a young age, the more engaged they're likely to become in pursuing careers in STEM. I really hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Just a quick one before you go, if you love our podcast and you'd like more, 
then hit subscribe now and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. Your support means so much to us. Thank you again for tuning into our episode. And if you're interested in partnering with us or maybe being a guest on the show, then please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.